Are you a burnt out overachiever buried in responsibilities? Do you miss laughing with your friends, just laughing from your gut? Do you remember that? Do you feel like life's passing you by? Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, where you get to rediscover laughing from your belly, getting back your meaningful one-on-one -on -one time with others. This is where you get to learn how to make that lonely ache vanish and get rid of your nonstop inner critic. Learn self-compassion techniques and to give yourself grace. How to stop feeling short-fused, light up again to see people. If you've been wishing for some kind of a shift, you're in the right place. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul, so you can learn from my experience and the mentors and experts I meet along the way. Whether you're feeling off and not aligned with who and what you're on this planet for, and you've got a feeling that something's just not right and you're not sure what direction to go, you get simple tools and techniques to get your answers, the ones that are right for you. 52 Weeks of Hope is perfect for burnt out overachiever type A types, and under like other shows for overachievers, only we take you off the hamster wheel by ditching your to-do list for the to-don't list. This is where you learn about the pause because answers emerge in the pause. You get reminded to just breathe, take a breath, and to give yourself grace. Listen and watch and get back to your joy, the magic of life. If I am not laughing, I would be tears constantly. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I say that I am now a pole dancer. I had a fall in 2013 that took out my pelvis. And the biggest thing that I missed out of all of it was the ability to dance. And so I finally got myself to a point right in 2020 that I was able to walk and move through yoga and using my pool and got my body wow. back and strength and was on a walker and I get cancer. You know, it's like, really? <laughs> Universe just has a sense of humor. And so I just take it in stride and I am call it joy in the quagmire because there is always going to be that muck that we have to get through, those challenges that we have to get through. No matter what they are, they're big, they're small. We know that there is somewhere inside of us the strength and the ability to get through that with a smile on our face. Yeah, well, out of everybody I've interviewed, one thing I've learned, there's certain lessons. I've definitely, I talk about it, it. I actually compiled all of them into, I call it the meaning of life in an episode. And one of them is our, we are definitely resilient. That's for sure. And David Romanelli, he talks about, he interviewed all these elders and centenarians and the ones that really have the best attitude and everything. It's the sense of humor that goes along with the resilience. Oh, no kidding. You know, I've been married for 20 years and I never thought I would get married again after the first one. And that is the one thing that has really brought us through everything is that laughter. And we do a lot of it. You know, even if it's just over the smallest little things, we find joy in what we do in the day. You know, I sat down about a week ago with a group of friends of mine and we did the hundred things that make us smile. Oh, I and love it was, that. Yeah, right? It was just this amazing like, oh yeah, right? I'd forgotten about that. I'd forgotten about listening to the song Happy. I'd forgotten about kissing. I had forgotten about, you know, and it's not that we don't know it or we don't think, but it's that everyday thing that we kind of forget and to sit down and just say, okay, what are a hundred things that make me smile, that make me happy? And 
just the little things were the best, yeah. best I, things to remember. I like that. That's different than because I do gratitude lists every day, but I don't ever I'll do long ones. But the things right. that make me happy or do it with a bunch of friends. That's really I love that. That's yeah. amazing. So I know that cancer really change you. You talk about how it really just changed you completely, even more so than the boom of the fall into You know, it brought me so close to death again. And I've gotten an allergy to opioids bad. And I've died four times on them because I go into anaphylactic shock, everything closes up, my heart stops. But I'd never had really an experience out of body or anything like that. But I really, when I faced death with cancer, it was so much more personal, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, for, it does you know? for me, yeah. To be want to explain it a little bit like... Well, I call it being, you know, facing death and leaving and wanting. Now, I'm not ready. I know there's so much more that I have to do. And it was just like, okay, I have a choice. I can either go through with the treatments that are not going to be easy, the whole, however long it's going to take, the surgery is not going to be easy because I can't do pain meds and this is some major surgery, or I can choose to die. Those were my choices. And I would be dead in six weeks. Okay, that really isn't going to work for me after having done everything I did to get my body back. You know, I'm like, yeah, no. So it was just personal. It was a personal assault that said, you're not doing something that we need you to do. And I really felt like spirit was leading me to use my voice that I had never used before, that I had never sat up and said, hey, I am Kristen Sparks and here's what I stand for. And this is what I've been through. And this is who I am. Authentic, real, just me. And I went, oh, wow. Really? Really? <laughs> you want me to do that? Okay. Deep breath. And here I am. Do you have times where you feel like you just want to give up? I mean, now, not like, and if so, what do you do and what gets you through? Well, I have not had, I want to give up for a long, long, long time. Do I question myself sometimes? Absolutely. Do I get scared? Absolutely. I mean, I sometimes go, what have I gotten myself into? You know? <laughs> oh yeah. I think that's a human yeah. experience. You haven't taken that leap. When you take that leap, even it doesn't matter how far it, it's going to go. Like It does. I mean, you know, doubt comes in. These retreats that I have in the fall are all about I doubt me and that's called I do me. And so it's removing the doubt and that doubt comes in the little voice that goes you're crazy who is going to listen to you why would you have anything to say and why is it important if you anything that you have to say you know so those things come in and then you go because i'm me because people need to know the story because i'm not the victim i am the hero and people need to remember that they are the hero too people need to know that even when it seems like everything is going wrong and you're living in that mess every day, there is hope. That's a great segue because next question I want to ask is, do you have a message of hope you want to give? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. No matter what the quagmire is, no matter where you are in that sinking sand feeling, there's a hand and that hand is mine. And I am here to support you and inspire you and guide you through it. Okay. So you've experienced the death of some loved ones, two husbands, and totally different experiences, but it's through helping a friend that you're 
book and your teachings emerge. And I just love the story because it shows who you are and who your heart is. Can you just talk about that just briefly? Because I think it encapsulates so much. Sure. What happened with me? You said I had two husbands die and the first time was a lot. Well, I can't say one was rougher than the other because they both had their own sorrow attached, but it was really challenging. When the next husband died, I said, you know, I'm going to do things differently this time. I've got to focus on what's positive in life because obviously there's lots of beauty and positive and joy and love around me. And I want to be there instead of stuck in sorrow, which is a real easy thing to do when you're dealing with grief or loss. And you mentioned not everybody's dealing with grief right now. Chances are you are in some way though, yeah. you know, because <laughs> we're grieving over things that are happening right now in our nation. We're grieving over natural catastrophes, weather, fires, you know, all kinds of different things that bring a different kind of grief. So I wanted to, to find a way that I could help myself to start off with. And I did that by writing and I'm a writer. I write books and taught writing at the university for years. And I found a process of writing about what I was experiencing just for me, not to share with anybody, but just for me to explore my thoughts and feelings about what was going on really helped me. And so I started other people who live around me here in Maui to start doing that too. And it was really successful. Then a few months after my husband died, I actually, it was on March 16th, and I got a text from a dear friend of his who was wishing me happy St. Patrick's Day because he was very Irish and, you know, that was the big holiday for the year for him. And I thought, that's really weird. St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. Why are you texting me today about this? So I decided I would wait till the next day and then I would text him back on the real St. Patrick's Day. Well, the next morning on St. Patrick's Day, I got a phone call from a friend of mine on the mainland that they lived just a few blocks away from our home where we lived there before we moved to Maui. And she was supposed to go out to coffee with his wife that morning. And his wife had called her and said that he had died the night before. And he wasn't that old. We didn't know of any health challenges or anything. It was a total shock to everyone that just he was suddenly gone. And it was such a shock to me because he just reached out to me and I didn't follow through. And I was really kind of kicking myself for that. But what I really started to think about was his wife because she had no idea that this was going to happen. She had a daughter who had just started college and a daughter who was just finishing high school. And none of them expected this. And I knew, especially because she knows so many people, that people would be saying things and doing things that might not be particularly helpful to her. So I decided I would write her a letter and say, these are the things you need to think about right now and pay attention to. And these are the things that you don't, because there's some things, you know, people come in and say, well, you got to do this now. And no, you don't for some things. So I wrote that and I emailed it to that friend of mine who had planned to go out to coffee with her and asked her to print it off and take it over to her. Because since I'm in Hawaii, if I would have mailed it, who knows when it would have gotten there. And I yeah. felt like she needed it right then. And she let me know later how invaluable that letter had been to her because nobody talked to her about the things that I put in the letter. And I thought, I'm so glad I wrote that. And what else can I do? You know, if that helped her, what else could I do that could help her more? So I decided I would write her something and mail it to her every week for the first year after her husband died. Then I thought, well, that's a real good idea, but what am I going to say 
52 different things for a year. So I started making a list of these are the things I talk about. These are the things that would be good earlier and these would be later and that sort of thing. So I wrote it all out and I easily got 52 things and I was happy with that. And so I created a card for each week for that first year with pictures. I'm always taking pictures on my phone. It's kind of like an addiction. You go, oh, that's a pretty flower. And living in Maui, there's so many beautiful things to take pictures of. And I knew that she loved Hawaii. So I just put a different picture, a flower or a sunset or the beach or something on each one of them that would be comforting, beautiful pictures for her to look at and then wrote to her inside. That's actually where my book came from because when I got those all put together, I thought, gee, as a writer, I could see I had an outline for a book with all those things that I was going to be writing her about. And so I got an agent and got a publisher and that's where my book came from. Do you have moments now when you feel like giving up and then what are the tools that you use? If you do, I have moments, but I wouldn't say they're moments that I feel like giving up. It's just a moment that I'm having because there's a reminder or there's something that happens, you know, bring tears or, or something. One recently, it was the TV show Blackish. They did such clever things, commentaries on that show. A lot of it was just kind of silly, but they did really clever commentaries. And so I had enjoyed watching them and watching them with my husband. Their episode on Juneteenth was phenomenal. So if you want to know about Juneteenth, probably get that and watch it. And so when I heard it was their last season, I wanted to watch the final show. And I was watching just that final show. And it got to me that this was something that my husband and I did together that led to such interesting conversations about whatever it was, the theme that they were doing. At the very end of the show, they had this thing where they all came together and Stevie Wonder's song as started playing in the background that was my song with ron that was our song and for me i was tearing up over the show and losing that connection here this through them comes this song that was so precious to us uh, i have such goosebumps oh. <laughs> I have total goosebumps all over that sort of thing does happen when you're open and you pay attention yeah you can be sad and happy at the same time well, that seems like reminiscing and beautiful and everything Mm -hmm. Right? I don't know. I mean, that's not giving up. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me, it's not my experience. I don't mean to sound judgmental. I apologize. No, if it, I'm getting no, no. goosebumps and I love that you shared it with I was me, with all of us. Like, mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you. Do you have a message of hope you want to give? As I'm sitting here still with the goosebumps. <laughs> oh, actually, when you said that, they popped up for me too. <laughs> it was really a powerful experience. And my message of hope is a positive one. It's that whatever it is that you're doing in life, you're doing it right now in this moment. In this moment, always can be good. Always can be happy. You can always smile whatever else is going on if you stay in this moment. Yesterday, you already experienced. You have no idea what's going to happen in the next moment, let alone tomorrow. But right now, especially if you start feeling yourself challenged or tears come or you get overwhelmed, just bring it back into the moment and go right now. I know I'm still here. I still have my home. I have my friends, whatever it is that you can think of that are the things that are bringing you joy and bringing you support and know that always there. So that's my idea of hope. That's fabulous. I love that. And the other thing that I didn't ask you about were, I believe that you're big on affirmations. 
Absolutely. That's another thing I write in my journal every day (laughs) is my affirmation for the week. I have a, like a theme for the year and I have a foundation. My foundation that I'm working on right now is ease and balance. If something starts getting a little out of kilter, I'll go, okay, ease and balance, you know, just take a deep breath and get back in there and that helps. But my affirmation, I write an affirmation for me for the week. And then every day I write an affirmation about what I'm doing with my writing, with my teaching, with the Alliance, with the things I'm doing for my book, my podcast, for all those things. I'll I'll write affirmations about where they're going and what's good about them that I can support. And then I have one affirmation for sure for the week that I'm working on for that week that I'll write every week. And at the end of the affirmation, after I write the affirmation, I also say, and I'm doing exactly what I need to do to realize all of my intentions. I like that addendum. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I do. Mine's always something about my limited vision, but can you give some examples of your affirmations? This week, well, I'm working on... Well, for ease, what are you saying? For For ease, if I start getting a little uptight or pressuring myself about something, I intentionally stop and go, I can do this with ease. Not I can. I do this with ease. If you say I can, that implies that it's in the future. But if you say, I do this with ease, that means you're doing it right now with ease. You can always do an I am also. I am focused. I am passionate. I am love. That's right. Whatever it is. I love the I am. When you start it with I am, whatever you say is going to be beautiful. When you told the story about during the lockdown, COVID, Mm -hmm. having to drop your kids off at childcare, your two little kids, and then go watch somebody else's kids that I just, that's what touched me the most. (laughs) And everything, I mean, I know you're a TikTok sensation and all of that, but having to do that, I interview people that have been through terrible tragedies and everything else, but I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I can't even imagine. So Mm -hmm. I really like, yeah, we'll talk to TikTok and like you now you have books, you have this and that, but what happened there? And I know that's the only part of the story. Welcome and we are resilient. Yeah, no, it was for many people, COVID was a time where the rug kind of got pulled out from under you. And I had lost my job during COVID and really just wanted to be a stay-at-home mom because my kids were at that time three and two. And I know some moms struggle with that age, but like That's I- That's so cute, yeah. Yeah, they're just so cute. And I just, you don't get that time back. But my husband and I had recently moved back from doing missionary work over in the UK. So we needed a house and I needed to have income and we needed to have our family's healthcare benefits. So even though I lost my job, I needed work. And the only thing that was available was childcare. And even though it wasn't a lot of money, at least we had those benefits and it was like something coming in, which looked good for the banks and everything like that for us to get a house. But it was awful because I'd have to drop my kids off at one end of the building and then go and spend my day looking after other people's kids, which for any mom, like, yeah. And then, so where did you live when you came back from your missionary work? We were living with my in-laws. Okay. And we lived over in the UK for about four years. And it was, we literally lived in a valley on a cemetery. And before we were there, we lived in a funeral home. What? And there's a whole story behind that. Wait, yeah. in a funeral home? That's yeah. creepy. That's really creepy. I know. <laughs> 
Did you? Know, it's a bit you, different, but there was a flat above a funeral home, and we got connected with the owner, the guy that ran it, and he was the only person that would rent to us because we were new to the country. And a month after moving there, my husband got into a horrible car accident, and we had planned to move to England and go to Bristol. And because of the accident, he was bedridden for a year and he couldn't work. So we had to take this kind of detour in our plans and ended up living, yeah, above a funeral home because he was kind enough to let us live there. Oh my gosh. I can't even like, I mean, that's yeah. just, is he okay now, your husband or? Yes, he is okay now, but we moved over there to start a church and really wanted to go and help people. And my husband and I are very like, can do you know, want to serve, want to help, want to be there. Yes, people. And when he got into that car accident, we had no place to live. We had no, obviously he couldn't work now. I was on a visitor visa and we didn't have any furniture or anything. And he was, he should have died. He was bedridden. So it just launched us into this four years of really difficult circumstances and hard things. I had both of my children at that time as well. And my daughter was great. But then when I had my son, he was just so challenging and I had postpartum depression and it was just oh, like, it was no. a hard time. <laughs> That's not easy. So you come back and you end up watching kids. And so let's talk yeah. about, you have a lot of family, do you have friends? Like were you in touch with a lot of people? Like how did you have community during that time, especially when you're in the UK? What did you depend yeah. on? Yeah, we didn't have family close by or anything. We had a small community of people that kind of became our family, to be honest, while we were over there. But that was like a huge reason why, you know, it was so difficult was because I was, gosh, we moved over there. My husband was 25. No, I was 25. He was 22. We were just, yeah, really young, didn't know a thing about a thing. And it was just difficult. But when we moved home, you know, we moved in with my in-laws. And I feel like that really started to establish just a little bit more security. But I think to be totally honest with you, Lauren, I think the thing that was most difficult was like my faith is really important to me. And when we went over there, it was really like, oh, wow, you know, we came over here to do something that was like to inspire faith. And actually, I'm going through this period of time where I'm really questioning my faith. Like, why would a good God, who I believed was good, let all this bad stuff happen to us? And so it wasn't like the externals. Yeah. But it was also just like this deep internal struggle of like, I actually don't know what I believe anymore. And when you're not good on the inside and you feel like your faith is shattered, your values and you're questioning everything that makes the externals really difficult to deal with. And so I think that was like the culmination of everything that was happening at that time. So it was yeah. like five years of just hard times. So when I was looking up everywhere, it's like on Kelly Clarkson, on Kelly Clarkson, is that like something to hold? Is that a claim to fame? Is that, do you like that? Do you want more of that? Do you want to be on more shows? Do you want to start your own? Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I did love being on the show. I thought that was such a cool opportunity. I remember when she won, when I was yeah. in like sixth grade. And so I was like, this is like full circle right here. But yeah, no, I'm just open to like, however this leads. I love public speaking. Like I know you heard me at PodFest, like mm -hmm. being able to connect with people that way and like spread a wide net. I love that. I just feel like you never know who's on the other side. Like with this podcast, I don't know who's going to be listening. 
But the thought to me is, but someone could be encouraged. Somebody could have their chin lifted today. And to feel like I made a part in that, however that looks, just means so much to me. And I love that. So do you have a message of hope you want to give? Oh, my word. I do. (laughs) I absolutely do. Oh my gosh. I mean, you're asking me. And so I know that for some people listening, like they've had certain experiences with God, but for me, it is a message of faith, you know, and like of what Jesus did for humanity. Like he loved people so much, good, the bad, the ugly, like everyone. And just like that love that he has for people and that even in your darkest moment, like he understands because he experienced that too. But hope is never lost. It's never lost. There's always hope. Hope is never lost. It's always available to every single person at any point in time. Do you have practices that you do on a regular basis? Do you journal? Do you? Oh, yeah. Okay. I love, I've actually journaled since I was 16. I have like 20 journals. (laughs) I love journaling. I feel like it's a way for me to get whatever's in my head to my heart. I love journaling, prayer, worship, just like singing songs. And obviously like exercising, you know, getting in the body. Yeah. And is there any question that I should have asked you that I didn't ask? And you're like, I can't believe Lauren didn't ask me that. Not that I can think of, but yeah, I think the only thing that I just want people to know is like, and I shared this quote in our talk, but just that mountaintop experiences are for sights and inspiration, but the fruit grows in the valleys. And that if you're in a valley season where it feels like, you know, your life is just crumbling or you can't see how anything good could come from this. There is fruit that is being produced on the inside of you that will show in time, but we got to just like stay where we are and embrace those valley seasons of life because they make us who we are meant to be and their gift as hard as that is like almost offensive as that is to say, not that I would ever want anyone to go through pain, but it is a part of life and there's so much to be learned from those times. And so to embrace wherever you're at today. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Qigong is the foundation of Tai Chi. It's also the foundation of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Qi is the life force energy that emanates through all living things. And Gong is the skill for which we harness this life force energy. And in this case, and in the style of Qigong that I teach, is for mental emotional wellness, which then helps to reduce inflammation and, and reverse the process of disease. So when we talk about Qigong, we're talking about the skill through using our mind intent in order to harness the life force energy. And for people to have a hard time understanding or conceiving what Qi is, just think of it in terms of blood or fluids inside your body. We have a saying that the blood contains the Qi and Qi moves the blood around the body. And, you know, if you think about it, if you're deficient in blood, you have no energy, right? If you're anemic and those types of things. So so yeah, so Qigong is this 5,000-year-old practice, and it's, what's really cool about it, too, is that it's not a belief structure. It's something that's been time-tested, and it's something that anybody could do, and that's what I love about it the most, because it does not discriminate, and that's what I love. Yeah, no, that's so good. Okay, and this is what I was starting to say. So when I was looking you off and doing all this, you have the best YouTubes, and you have a six-minute morning, very recent one, and so 
I just, when I started watching, I, I just stood up and started doing it and I felt great. You have the best YouTubes and they're so easy to do. And now I understand when I see people doing Tai Chi, I feel like I understand they're holding a ball in their hand or they're holding, like you explained it so easily. And I felt like have this tiny understanding and I have two different friends who teach it. So I like, <laughs> yeah, the Tai Chi that is. Okay. So it's surprising because you've been doing this a long time and you were actually debilitated with back injury, couldn't get out of bed and everything else. How did you come into this practice? And here you are pain, not just pain-free, but I mean, you're a master, you teach others and so on. Yeah, so I grew up in a dysfunctional home, and uh, there was a lot of abuse and neglect. In fact, I just got done shooting a short documentary that's hitting all the film festivals next year, and it's showing this journey, the healer's journey. Anyways, uh, you know, I started doing drugs at a young age, at age 12. And yeah, I know you had two heart attacks by like 17, right? 18, yeah. 18, 18, yeah, 18 and 19, oh, yeah. yeah. And after the second one, yeah, I put myself into Taekwondo because I realized I was going to end up dead in prison or both. And I started competing in full contact competitions right away. And then one night before a match, I was accidentally kicked in the back and then left me with a devastating back injury who led me to a group of doctors and they wanted to do surgery. Then I went to another doctor and she had a therapist working for her at the time. He was a martial artist and he started talking to me about chi. Now, this was over 30 years ago. Nobody was talking about Qigong over no. 30 years ago. Very little about Tai Chi. And he started talking about Qi. Well, I'm like 19 or 20 now. And I'm like, yeah, right. The closest thing to Qi I'm going to get is like cheese its and cheese whiz Like, yeah. what is this Qi thing, right? Anyways, I had other health problems too. I had severe digestive problems where I had every test in Western medicine. I had upper GIs, lower GI. I lived on medications. If I ate a salad and avocado, I was in a fetal position two to three hours later or waking up in the middle of the night vomiting as a result, or if I had any kind of animal fat whatsoever, let's say like a pork chop, I was devastated. Also, I had chronic sinusitis. I had severe allergies. And so I lived on all kinds of medications. So I started taking these Qigong classes while my back was bending. And there's only two other women in the class. And these women were sensing and feeling things. I wasn't feeling much. In fact, at one point, I thought I was a chi dud because they were talking about all these sensations. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways, but what I did notice, though, after about six months, those other health ailments, I couldn't tell you exactly when, but they went away. And I thought, wow, if a simple, specific movement and specific meditation could do this to me, then there must be something to the medicine. And that's when I started studying classical Chinese medicine. That would say a lot, definitely. I mean, you were a butcher. I just find, I that, so, I just find that so fascinating that you were a butcher at this time too. <laughs> just... Well, you know, I was one of those kids that was uh, very driven. Even though I was doing drugs, I had an older half-brother that was always in trouble with the law. My parents, when they were married, all the attention was going to him. And so I didn't want to be like that. And so I still got my AP studies in arts. So I have two art scholarships that I've never used. Started to become a butcher at age 15 and a half. I also started, I think it was my sophomore year, I started going to an adult educational school. So I go to high school part-time. Then a bus would come and pick up some of his kids. And I got my class A state brake license. I got my license for overhauling engines and tune-ups and electrical systems. So I thought, okay, if I don't make it as an artist, then I'll be a butcher. If I don't make it as a butcher, I'll be a mechanic. Healer was not even on my mind, but yes, I was a butcher for 21 years. And, you know, I, and back in, when I first started, it was really a craft. It was really 
believe it or not, is really an art form, and so to speak. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it really was. But over time, it really was draining my energy and such. And, you know, when people talk about finding their life purpose, I still didn't know what my life purpose was. I thought it was being an artist. I had a business as a freelance art art, uh, instructor, or I would do murals inside people's homes and those kinds of things. But Healer wasn't even on my, it wasn't even on my radar. But I'll tell you what, the anatomy, it's going to sound kind of weird, but the anatomy of the animal, I know what this fascia smells like, tastes like. I know what it looks like when there's disease. I know what it looks like when there's cancer in there. You know, there's not much difference. So with my patients in clinic, when I touch them, because I'm very hands-on with my patients, I could actually see and remember that. I know it sounds weird, but that's really the truth. It actually doesn't. I just also find it fascinating because if healing's your calling or whatever your calling is, it's going to find you eventually. Yeah, I heard a doctor say, I was at a, I was getting some CEU units a few years back at Yosan University over here in, in off of Wilshire, Los Angeles. And Dr. Mauching Ni said to the audience, there was a group of physicians and attorneys and such. And he said, a raise of hands of how many people enjoy their job. And only several of us out of about 70 people rose their hands. Ooh, and he said sad. something that was pretty sad. And he <laughs> said, is. he goes, you know, before you come into this life form, he says, you sign a contract with heaven that you are to find your life purpose because when you find your life purpose, this is how God or the Tao is able to express itself through you. Do you have a message of hope you want to give? Message of hope is that even in the darkest hour, always hold on to that little glimmer of light because the light will always outshine the darkness. And if you approach life that way, then even with everything that's going on in society right now and around the world, don't get caught up into the negativity. Look at the light and you be that beacon of light because in order to create change, you have to change yourself. And how do you change yourself? You change your paradigm for what you think. And so if you're thinking negative thoughts and if you're only listening to negative things, it's going to be hard for you to become positive. So in order for you to be that beacon of light, Yes, educate yourself, be aware of what's going on in the world, but be that beacon of light and be mindful over what you think. It's a vibration. There's a Taoist master that said this, Master Hua Jingni, he said, just like fish are unaware of the vastness of the ocean for which they swim in, us humans are unaware of the vastness of chi for which we swim in. So true. So if you look at it that way, our thoughts vibrate outward and connect with other people of the same or similar vibration. And so be mindful of your thoughts, hold on to the light because nothing, no amount of darkness. And I've been in some pretty dark times. I've seen some darkness. I've been around dark people, no matter how much darkness there has ever been in my life, holding on to that glimmer of light, which is hope and faith always outshines the darkness. Ah, that's great. Yeah. It reminds me of whatever we focus on grows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. what we think about, we bring about, it's really the truth. And I'll be honest, even the growing of my clinical practice is that uh, I believe that we can manifest what we want in our life. But you have to take action steps. It's not just thinking, yeah. okay, I want this. You know, we still have to take the action steps to get there. But yeah, and so what I love about Qigong is that it changes your vibration. It raises your vibration. And if War and stuff like that and racism and and bigotry and stuff like that, look at it as a vibration. It's a very low vibration. 
very low vibration. So you raise your vibration. And if you raise your vibration, then you help to raise other people's vibration. And then that's how you create change. When people say we have to put the war on drugs, uh, the war on racism, you know, or whatever, if you pay attention, you're saying the word war. So that's all your brain. So change the verbiage, change what you're saying, change how you're thinking, be mindful of how you're thinking and what it's is opposite. And let's have more love instead. Uh, more awareness. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you the messages of honesty, gratitude, and an open heart. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about how to live abundantly, authentically, and how to have fun. It's a great episode that's super upbeat. And that's next week. You definitely don't want to miss that. Be sure to sign up for free Confidence and Clarity Boost sessions. If you're struggling, this might be for you. It's for those who feel like life's passing them by, your inner critic's going nonstop, you're feeling burnt out and jealous of those who are doing what you wish you were doing. Just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and sign up over there. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening. 